The following is a Kingfisher Media Production. Welcome to In the Blood. This show celebrates the value of the shared experience. When we communicate from the heart, it offers validation to those who have previously felt alone. It also gives permission for others to do the same. Together, we can start the healing process. Together, we're strong. And together, we can stop being statistics for pain and sorrow. I'm AC Fisher. With me, as always, is my co-host, Jason Moore. And today's guest is CK Love. CK, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm so glad to be here with you, too. It's awesome. And okay, I, I know this is going <laughs> to... <laughs> this is going to be maybe an, an odd question being as I go by initials is, is CK. Is that how you prefer to be addressed? Yes. Yeah. CK okay. is, is the name that I go by. Everybody knows me by CK. Cool. Can you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Um, well, I'm a writer uh, and a screen um, writer. Uh, I started out with, I'm a multi hyphenate artist. So I'm an option screenwriter. Um, I'm an award-winning filmmaker, and now I'm a published writer, and um, I come to you from Toronto. I've been born, I was born and raised here, and um, yeah. Oh, I'm, an, I'm a therapist and a, and a yoga meditation teacher as well. So is there anything you don't do? Um, actually, no, I do a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have a degree in architecture. I've done some welding. I've been in the militia. Um, I've done a lot of stuff. So I have a lot of experience. Do you juggle? No, actually, I don't <laughs> juggle. Aha, we <laughs> got you. Great school. <laughs> right? Of, of course you All used to, games. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, always try. That was my motto when I was younger. That was my motto. Always try something twice. Always. Fair enough. So. Unless I was afraid of it, and then I wouldn't do it. <laughs> so, so I've never been skydiving. Never, ever. Yeah, well, I, think, I think that makes three of us then. Oh, no, I've been skydiving. <laughs> Have you? Okay. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, he's been skydiving, but he's never been married. So I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, CK, what brings you to the show today? Well, um. I think I wanted to share my experience of um, having um, had a bad experience in uh, in family in the blood, and um, and actually being able to walk away from it. Um, I mean, I I wouldn't say that my my um, relationship with my my family was as traumatic as some, but definitely as an undercurrent, it was pretty traumatic, and and it, it does kind of. Um, depend on what kind of person you are if you are a free spirit and your family isn't then then that gets um, to be troublesome as you grow up um, yeah. and as a therapist um, knowing how to get out of it I wanted to come on the show and, and just share my experience okay well I, I, I don't think anybody listening or anybody who comes on the show should ever feel like we need to keep score with each other as far as pain <laughs> and trauma go because I'm a firm believer that pain is pain trauma is trauma and my experience is my experience yours is yours and that's it's it's all fair it's all relevant true that so yeah. you you had mentioned you know um 
an example of being a free spirit amongst people who are not that way. Can I assume that you're speaking from personal experience there? Yeah. Um, my, my relationship with my family was really fraught just because I didn't follow the rules. I didn't want to follow the rules, especially the patriarchal rules for, for women. Um, mm. That was really tough for me. Um, growing up, my mother would always say that uh, she didn't understand me. And, and really, she didn't understand me from her point of view as what women should be like and should grow up like and, and what they should want and need um, in life. And I didn't ever want to get married. I never wanted to have kids. I wanted to have a career. I wanted to explore the world. Uh, and I, I mean, I don't know if I didn't like family and I don't like family still to this very day because, um, because of my experience or if I'm just that kind of person that I'm, I don't like being locked into a role and families tend to put you into roles like the middle child or, or the older or the younger, you know, I'm pretty yeah. sure my, you know, my sister had a hard time because she was older and I'm sure my brother had a hard time because he was younger, but, um, but as the middle girl um, in a, in a very traditional Eastern European family, um, being the middle girl was useless, <laughs> kind of a waste of energy of the family in, in a way, you know. And the old school stereotypes of being a girl in a patriarchal in a patriarchal family. Yeah. Yeah. So the stereotypes would be that uh, um, you never got anything first, never, ever got anything first, never got considered to do anything and never got considered. I mean, I always told my mother after um, I grew up and became an adult, I always told my mother that it was hard to be, to understand that you were always the last person considered for anything. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's just a difficult um, way of being with other people who you think love you. And then, and then all of a sudden, all the kind of benchmarks of, of how you feel you people love one another never kind of showed up in my life. So, so conditional love, like because of your position in the family, that conditional love was put upon, put upon you. Well, conditional love to me um, was that if I did whatever the family wanted me to do, then I would be loved. And, and if I didn't, then I would be shunned and I would be made an example of, and, um, you know, I was the black sheep of the family, really, and the scapegoat. So, mm -hmm. and that sort of showed up in different ways in my family. But, uh, uh, I mean, my mother doesn't stop to um, consider who she's yelling at. Mm. And whenever I visited, which was out of the goodness of my heart, because it was difficult for me to visit, Whenever I visited, there was always something that my mother would start a fight with me. Always. Always. And my father would never hear my complaints about that. And he would always say, well, she's your mother. So I was, I was always told to accept 
that kind of behavior. And, you know, as you grow up, and as especially as I was going through therapy, and became a therapist, you're told that, you know, gather people around you who, who lift you up. And every time I went to my family, I was always reminded of how they didn't do that, and how they didn't do that to a really big degree, in a way that I felt bad about myself after I left the house after I left visiting, I always felt awesome. bad about myself. So, so it almost sounds like it wasn't even really performance oriented. You just sucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I sucked in my family and that was what I needed to be in my family because for some reason, you know, my father needed to lift up my sister and my mother needed to lift up my brother and, and, um, and yeah, somebody needed to suck. Somebody needed to be the person they they didn't like or they complained about or, you know, so, yeah. I mean, it's funny because um, a couple of relatives when I was growing up, a couple of relatives, and my mother told me this just as a matter of fact, um, uh, a couple of relatives, male relatives would say that they loved me the most. And that's because um, they saw how I didn't have anybody. And my mother just told me that <laughs> out of the blue one day, like she didn't know that was onus on her <laughs> that, yeah, and my father to kind of show me more love or something. So, yeah. Yeah. Were you aware that these people actually saw you differently than your parents when you were a kid? A little bit. I don't think that they showed a lot of, um, um, deference towards me. I think that um, I felt a little bit special when I was around them than not, not overtly, because I think that all the adults were aware of not treating any kid more special than the other kid. So, and especially because I guess the sons were, were more special in our family than, than anybody else. So, so no, I never felt that much from them. I always felt alone, really. And unspecial. So, so how does a young kid deal with that? I mean, how, how I dealt with it was to close off. I closed off, I became really cold, I became really defensive, I became really um, uh, not very communicative. I went into my head. I went into my dreams. I dreamed of um, of the time when I would leave. And maybe that's why I wanted to have a career because I knew. And I told my boyfriend this. As I, I said, I don't want to get married until I have a career. You know, and, and at the, my boyfriend in high school at the time. And I said, I don't want to get married until I have a career because I knew that having a career would get me out of the house. So I dreamed about leaving, basically. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I got into writing and I got into, um, you know, I was semi good in school. I was, I was really studious, but because of the trauma involved in, in um, that kind of family, things didn't stick. So I wasn't an exceptional student, but I still studied hard and, um, you know, that's, that's what I did. I got cold. 
very, very cold. And it was hard to, hard to come out of that coldness. How it was hard to come out of trusting people, not trusting people so that I would trust people. Right. Yeah. So, so when did things sort of start to turn around for you? Um, when I was doing the therapy and only then is when, um, actually I got married because my mother forced me to, she demanded that I do that because she didn't understand anything outside of that. She didn't understand how people lived. So, so being a good daughter or wanting to be a good daughter. And that's the thing, right? For the longest time, I, I tried to be the good daughter. I tried to do what she wanted me to do, what I thought she expected me to do. And, um, and so I, uh, um, I got married and I got married to my best friend. So that was good. That was fine. (laughs) And, uh, um, and then at one point in, in the marriage, I said, I can't do this because I married someone, although he's my best friend, at the time, he was very strict, like my family. So you tend to gravitate towards people who remind you of, of people you've known. So um, I knew deep down that there was something wrong, and there was something that I needed to change and need to fix, and I needed to kind of get out of my skin and out of the shell that I was in. And, um, and so going to the therapy, training as a therapist, doing therapy got started me coming out of it. So sometimes it's, it's kind of hard to realize what kind of a messed up environment we grow up in because it's just, it's our normal, right? Yeah. And when we start sort of peeling back the layers and realize like, Hey, this isn't normal for everybody else. In fact, this isn't normal at all. This is kind of toxic that can be difficult to accept for some people because really what you're doing is challenging reality as you know it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's a really hard, um, mind shift. You know, it's like I, I grew up Catholic and it's a really hard mind shift to actually start realizing what it is that doesn't make sense and why it doesn't make sense. And so, Mm. um, you know, getting out of a a toxic family, especially with all the interjects interjects in in society, all the societal pressures about family and how you have to stand by them and how you have to, um, that they're the most important people. And um, I had to really convince myself that they were people first. Yeah. And would I hang out with these people? Thank you for listening to In the Blood. Please remember to like, follow, and share. It's really easy for people to say like that you're family, but a a lot of people have never experienced the kind of complications you're describing. Right. I guess. Do you think, do you think that people... Well, I mean, that's, that's been my experience anyways. I mean, I went, um, almost eight years, no contact with my mother. And through that whole time, there was people saying, yeah, but she's your mom. 
right like i'm obligated to subject myself to a toxic relationship by virtue of blood yeah which i i didn't find helpful i found i was um instead of getting support from people i was having to justify my decisions to people who were never going to understand who were unwilling to understand even like i i don't know what your experience was, was hopefully better than mine <laughs> That's the hardest part is the justification because you're using all your energy to, to do that instead of heal and, um, and stand firm in what it is that is essentially your reality, which is, which is I need to be around people who, who support me. I need to be around people who, um, who see what the person that I am. And because I always thought that when I went back and your eight years, I was 10 years, five years, three years, eight years, I, you know, I always went back. But when I went back, I was treated like the 16 year old girl who was so confused and so angry about the situation, about not being heard and not being seen and appreciated and and just just going crazy with with what my reality was at that time and what their reality told me it was supposed to be i was supposed to be um i was still treated like that i was still treated as the malcontent or the um the aggressive um troublemaker and, you know, here I was in my 30s and I was still being treated that way. So I had to leave again. And that's the saddest thing. The saddest thing is to actually realize that your family is comfortable in doing that to you. And the only reason why I'm back with my sister and only just recently Christmas, um, after 10 years of her telling me never to contact her again, after my father died um, because of some things she misunderstood me to say. And only after the 10 years, she got in contact. And, and the reason why is because she's done some work. She actually did some therapy and she actually apologized, which, you know, is really emotional for me. You know, I feel it right now that, um, that's what I've been waiting for. I've just been waiting for people to just say, can we move on? Can we go past whatever that was, whatever that was, <laughs> you know? So. Did you find during your breakaway stage that your parents were in any way putting obstacles in your way, whether they be mental or physical obstacles in preventing you from breaking away? Cause they wanted to keep you in that box. Were they aware? Did they, did you feel like they were um, in some way hindering your breakaway when you finally got to the age where you could go? Always. If I was in their, in their company, mm -hmm. for sure. Um, and it's because they couldn't see me past whatever their comfort zone was for, for me. You know, my first name is Christine. So Chrissy, you know, mm -hmm. whatever Chrissy was. Um, so, and, you know, I changed my name because 
of my family. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be associated with that them. And I didn't want to associate my success with them. Right. I didn't right. want them to think that they had any association with what I did in my life that was good and positive and um you know big and successful and whatever I didn't want them to you wanted them to realize you did it in spite of them not because of them yeah I mean I don't know if I want them to realize anything because you know since I changed my name they don't know who I am oh fair enough sorry bad assumption no no that's fine that's fine so really they haven't um they haven't earned the right to be proud of you right Mm -hmm. right yeah it's interesting that this is called in the blood because i have a screenplay called blood in the bone oh and it's about mothers and daughters and sisters oh yeah and it's a thriller and the mother is a serial killer and the daughter learns that slowly so oh you will definitely have to keep us in the loop (laughs) (laughs) you're right up jason's alley there oh yeah yeah well psychological thrillers yeah yeah it's a psychological thriller and i love i love those two absolutely yay high five high five (laughs) (laughs) so that's that's my that's that's the way that I've I've worked things out. I have another one. It's a horror. It's called Mad Dog 2020. And it's about two sisters and a mother who becomes a woman who becomes possessed by their mother's um, spirit. And oh. the mother's coming back for revenge on the little girl, on the young one. So that's actually deep because I think in some way we're all possessed by our parents a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, we are. We are. You know, I look in the mirror sometimes and I, I say, oh, my God, I look like my mother. And that's traumatic for me, <laughs> you know, because because of just, you know, what happened in my life. So and that's hard to that's hard to understand. I mean, for anybody out there who's trying to kind of maneuver this whole thing, it's it's OK that it's difficult to look in the mirror and say, Oh, I look my, like my mother, not, mm. Oh, there's mom. Hi mom. You know, it's not a happy thought. Right. <laughs> it, it's amazing how some, how society um, competes with miseries, you know, my sorrows worse than your sorrow or my pains worse than your pain. Mm-hmm. What people got to realize is everybody's pain is the worst their pain can be. So in, ex- in essence, they're all equal. And, and to judge not by that, but by the person that's portraying it. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I, I hear a lot of the pain in your story. I don't feel like you're stuck in it, though. At the same time, I, I, I don't know. I almost feel like, and again, I might be just reading too much between the lines. And I hate when people do that to me, but I'm going to do it to you anyways. Because I can't help it. Um, Go ahead. How how does forgiveness play into the whole equation for you? Or does it? Mm. That's a good question. Um, I know you're saying um a lot because you're making me think a lot. So, <laughs> <laughs> so take out the ums. But oh, it's it's um, a conversation. How about yeah. it? Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, there it is. So forgiveness is, is an odd word to me in the way that do what makes us feel, hmm, what makes us feel like we need to be forgiven? And I would put it to kind of the religious understanding of actions and what we do um, in reaction to our life circumstances. And does it, I'm just, this is just a thought right now that's occurring. Um, Does it have to do with shame? And if it has something to do with shame, if I need to be forgiven or if I need to feel like I need to be forgiven, is it because I'm ashamed of something that I've done? So I don't know if that's a stretch, but in, so do I need to forgive my family? I mean, even saying that feels weird to me because um, they are not aware of what they do or have done, except my sister now, who said sorry. Um, But I didn't need to say, I forgive you, because I I don't know, that to me seems a little condescending. I don't know. Do you feel that? Does that seem right to you? I personally hate apologies. I hate giving them. I hate receiving them. (laughs) I like to demonstrate that I'm sorry through actions. and. I, I guess because of that, I struggle to accept apologies from other people because it's like, you know what, if you're sorry, let's just pick up and move on. I will know that you're sorry because you're going to stop treating me like crap, or you're going to adjust your actions, your attitude, whatever the case may be, or we're going to have a conversation. We'll gain some understanding and realize like, Hey, maybe I didn't need to forgive you. There was nothing to forgive. I just didn't understand where you're coming from. I, right. I think it's a little bit more complicated than that. I can't say the religious model in general, but certainly the Christian biblical model of forgiveness, I don't think is realistic. We can't like just put it out of our mind, move on. It's not enough to just own up. I think, you know, it's, it's complicated. It's nuanced. Jason, you look like you're biting your tongue. (laughs) (laughs) No, not at all. I just, I also have a bit of a different philosophy of forgiveness. It's, for me, forgiveness is um, from a conversation we had previously on this show. Uh, forgiveness has become a a track for me to learn because before there was no real forgiveness. It was either you're in my life or you're not. If you're in my life, then stuff happens. We talk about it. We move on. There's no sitting it on the back burner. There's no walking around like you're feeling like crap. If you're feeling like crap, come and tell me. We talk about it. We deal with it. We work through it. We move forward. But I have recently learned that there are certain things that maybe I should start working on forgiving because I'm carrying a lot of stuff in my virtual backpack and it's weighing me down from the past. Right. Right. So, CK, do you feel like um, being in a place where you haven't actively forgiven someone, do you think that's the same thing as holding a grudge or are they different experiences? I think they're different. Um, 
I mean, to go back to the whole, I, I'm sorry, those are really powerful words. And, and I was really, it something released when I heard my sister say that. And I think when you hear, I'm sorry, at least when I hear, I'm sorry, um, there's a acknowledgement of your pain. Hmm. And just in the moment and that to me needs thanks not necessarily forgiveness it needs thanks and gratitude um whether they'll do it again is not for me to conjecture not for me to to say i have to take that at face value at the same time i know my sister I know what what has hurt me in the past with my sister, and it was it was always um, her finding something that I've done to be sort of an affront, and then her telling me never to talk to her again, which <laughs> you know didn't happen just once. So, um, and then there was the times where she said that because I had moved to Calgary. I had moved to Calgary um, for a year and she missed me and she wanted to see me. And, and so in between going to Europe, because I had saved enough money with my then boyfriend um, to go to Europe and travel around, I stopped off in Toronto for two weeks and she wanted to see me. And the night that we were supposed to see each other, she called and said, that another friend had came into town and she's going out with them. Oh. And that was always something that my sister did always. So now I know to, um, which hurt obviously, and, and always maybe not trust her. Um, so now when my sister tells me in December that you should come to, um, you know, visit because she's not in town anymore. So she, you should come to visit. I'll pick you up. And I just imagine me standing at the airport waiting for her to pick me up and then yeah. just turning around and going back home. So I know my sister and I know her, um, I'm sorry, means a lot in the way of what happened in the past, in the way that she understood whatever her thing was, her responsibility was. So. I will accept I'm sorry, and I will say I'm sorry. Um, and I don't think that has, there's any forgiveness in that. I think that there's more a thank you. It's like a compliment, right? Mm-hmm. Thank you. You've actually- Are you enjoying In the Blood? Support the show by clicking the subscribe button and follow us on social media. You've actually given me a lot to think about because I've I've never talked to anybody about forgiveness where um, gratitude has come up as the, the the go-to response. I mean, we Jason and I have talked extensively with each other, of course, about forgiveness. We've talked to dozens of people over the years, and it seems like you get variations on a theme. But your take on it seems like it's just way out of left field, but I, I think there's a lot of merits to it. Mm-hmm. When, 
when you can let go of, because you've done some work, because you realize who you are and you can stand in your own skin and you can stand firm and you can sort of detach or take away yourself, disown whatever the past and however the past translates for you or um, describes you or identifies you, whatever person the past says you are, if you can separate yourself from whatever that was and whatever, whoever you are now, then I think nothing can, there's a separation, right? There's a, there's a, a distance, disassociation, a disassociation with mm-hmm. the past that you can have. And I think that just takes work. I think that, um, and when people are afraid to go to therapists, I think, I mean, as a therapist, I think everybody should go to therapy because almost everybody has the past to reconcile with. And I think it's that reconciliation that needs to happen within your own heart, not even your own intellect, but your own heart. Um, it's that it's it's that reconciliation that needs to happen. And in that way, the disownment of whatever definition that was and somebody saying, I'm sorry, you can hear it as a, like I say, it's like a compliment in the, in the way that um, you, you can receive a compliment without it swinging you to, Oh, I'm such, I'm the most beautiful woman in the world or swinging you to, Oh, I'm the most ugliest person in the world. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's, compliments are that way too there's a you have to have a disassociation or or detach from associating yourself with a compliment because really the compliment or the the i'm sorry is more about the person than about you fair enough so i think that i think that being able to receive i'm sorry with gratitude is to be able to be already okay within yourself. Right. Dis- yeah. Disassociating from yesteryear, I can see making that space and that headway to accept the apology as well. Yes. You're not pent up in all that past bull. Yep. Oh, exactly. exactly. Oh, I feel like I got a bit of free therapy from you here today because, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I like to think I'm not a grudgy person. I forgive. I wouldn't say easily, but I do forgive. But um, I, I think like you've mentioned earlier, there is a bit of condescension wrapped up in that act of forgiveness instead of just humbly accepting the apology with gratitude. I, I love that. Well, my work is done. <laughs> oh, no, that's great. Not, there's so much stuff in here. <laughs> There's a lot of room. You can see I got a fair bit of cranium here. So <laughs> lots of room for troubles. Yeah. Anyway, CK, we're coming towards the the tail end of our conversation here. And I hate that. I really do. Yeah, this has I, been really great. It's, there's just, 
there's a, a sweetness and authenticity about you. You're not, um, you're, you're able to express your pain without coming off as I, I hate to say a whiner, but you know what I mean? Mm. I, I can, I can see that you're a person who values growth. You value, you know, creating the, the best experience for yourself and the people around you as you possibly can, but you're also well-rooted in reality. Your feet are firmly on the ground. And I think that that's a real inspiration to anybody who's going to listen to this conversation today. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks a lot. So if, if somebody wants to get in touch with you or learn about the many things that you work on, what's the best way to go about that? Well, um, I have a website, um, restlessspiritproductions.com. I have my work on there. I have uh, therapy and yoga meditation sessions and workshops and stuff on there. You can get in contact with me there or you can get in contact with me me on gmail. Dot com. That's productions with P-R-O-D-N-S. I know I made it too difficult for myself, but we'll, we'll put that on the screen <laughs> to okay. make it easier for people. Okay. And um, Twitter is CK love underscore L A and Instagram is CK love rights. So sorry, CK love rights underscore L A and CK love rights for Instagram. Yes. Okay. So obviously for those of you who are watching this conversation on YouTube, all of those uh, little snippets will be on the screen. For those of you listening to the audio version of this podcast, we'll make sure that we've got links to everything in this week's show notes. Uh, Jason, before we close things out, is there anything else you'd like to add? I'd just like to say thank you very much. It was an absolute pleasure to meet you and hear you and learn from you. And I hope through this we can keep in touch and just keep spreading the love. Thank you so much, CK. It's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to meet you, Jason, and, and AC as well. Thank you. Thank you, CK.